the old renaissance is the new renaissance standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction this is the harlem brewing company uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste a sound and a feeling that can only be described in one way harlem style so come and take a trip on the a train with our harlem sugar hill golden ale and our harlem renaissance whip beer the neighborhood original Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. You've got it locked to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, October 25th. I'm Donald Ware. It is Takeaway Tuesday, and you know how we do it each and every Tuesday. We're going to take a look at the HBCU National Players of the Week. Quarterback for West Virginia State, Donovan Riddick, passed for over 400 yards in the Yellow Jackets' victory over Concord. At the time, Concord was number one in the MEC, or the Mountain East Conference, still is, as a matter of fact. It's just that uh, the team, I can't remember the team that was also number one, is uh, also lost. So now both teams have uh, two losses in the Mountain East. Also, Braylon Ellis, the quarterback for Tennessee State, the other HBCU National Player of the Week, had a well of a game in excess of 300 yards, passing three touchdowns, no interceptions, big win for Tennessee State over Eastern Illinois. Look out, because Tennessee State has now won three straight ball games and remains atop the OBC with zero losses, a 2-0 record. The HBCU coaches and media polls released on yesterday. Jackson State unanimous number one in both the coaches and the media polls. In the coaches poll, Florida A&M was number two, Southern number three. North Carolina Central number four and A&T number five. Six through ten looks like this. Prairie View A&M, South Carolina State, Hampton, Alabama, and, and Alabama State and Texas Southern tied for number ten. In the media poll, Jackson State number one, followed by Virginia Union at number two, Benedict number three, Florida A&M number four, Southern number five. Six through ten, Albany State, North Carolina Central, Fort Valley State, South Carolina State, and Tuskegee. So now let me look at some of the takeaways from week eight. Now, you know, this, this, and it's not in any particular order in terms of the takeaways, but one of my takeaways is actually not necessarily, I mean, I guess it is sort of related to week eight, but the Division II regional rankings came out. And I got this release, and Dennis Switzer at Benedict does a great job. I got the release uh, from him that had the entire release, the entire release, but of course it mentioned the fact the headline was that Benedict was number two at 8 0 uh, in the in the division or in the region. I think it's the uh, it is the I'm trying to it's super region two. I think maybe one, at one time known as the South Region. You know who the number one team is in the region? It's Albany State. Now, 
That's interesting because Benedict beat Albany State head-to-head. And by the way, Albany State's record in the region is 6-1. Remember, overall, Albany State is 6-2. Its only loss was to Florida A&M. That doesn't count as a region, as a, as actually doesn't even count as a Division II game because you have an overall D2 record and then in the region. So they're 6-1 in both of those categories, meaning Albany State. Now, you could, you could look at strength of schedule. I think the strength of schedule probably is better on for, for Albany State because it did play Florida A&M. And that's interesting to me. You can use Florida A&M as your strength of schedule, but not as not really counting it as a win or a loss. So even if Albany State had won that game, it wouldn't have mattered. I find that to be uh, kind of interesting. But I mean, I think head-to-head, and, and, and Albany State's schedule isn't like, it isn't great, right? Like the, you know, a lot of the, you know, the SIAC is not strong. They haven't played Tuskegee. They won't play Tuskegee this year. Um, you know, the shorter game, shorter now is two and six. Mississippi, no, I think it's Mississippi College that's two and six, four, shorter is four and four, or vice versa. They played those two teams. The rest of the teams, SIAC teams aren't very good, Morehouse and others. Um, but I find that very interesting, even though Benedict, who who is 8-0 in D2 and in the region, is ranked number two and beat Albany State head-to-head. I think that's interesting. Interesting. Fort Valley State is number four. So with two games remaining, I mean, Albany State and Fort Valley State still have to go head-to-head. Um, you know, Benedict has one has to win one more of its last two games, right? And I think it's the, I can't remember, if it's a, I think it's the top eight teams that make the playoffs in the region. So, I mean, it'd have to be a collapse by Albany State, Benedict, and Fort Valley State at this point not to make it to the playoffs. Three teams from the SIAC in the playoffs is really, really good. The other thing I find interesting with the regional rankings or the release of them is that Virginia Union is number eight in the region. Undefeated 8-0, 8-0, of course, in the region and in the super region, 7-0 because they, they had the, the win over Virginia University of Lynchburg, which doesn't count, just like Florida A&M doesn't count towards Albany State's uh, wins and losses D2-wise and in the region. But Virginia Union had a nice win uh, early in the season. Uh, you know, it, it's just interesting to me that Virginia Union being undefeated on the season is number eight in the region. Now, I get it. Maybe strength of schedule is not great, but I mean, an early win against Valdosta State is nice. I'm not sure what Valdosta State, they must not be doing terribly well right now um but but still you know that's that's interesting to me uh i would think benedict would be over albany state and then virginia union would be higher than number eight but that ain't the case and so we'll see how the regional rankings play out but it'd be good to see three siac teams in. and i think virginia union you you know run the table the last two games still has virginia state remaining on the schedule um, you know, and Bowie State's down to a little bit this year. So I think that, you know, a win, uh, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't help your strength of schedule when Bowie State's not doing well. And then the other teams in the CIAA um, aren't great either. So that's one of my takeaways. One of my other takeaways, South Carolina State's victory over 
North Carolina Central 26-24 in Orangeburg. I did pick North Carolina Central in this game. I, I thought a lot of that would be behind the play of Davius Richard, the quarterback for North Carolina Central. Well, in essence, South Carolina State's and South Carolina State shut Richard down from a passing perspective. He completed, I believe, it was less than 50% of his passes for 177 yards. He had a couple of touchdowns. He had an interception. He was able to run the ball well. And as a matter of fact, North Carolina Central ran the ball well against South Carolina State as a whole. As a matter of fact, Latrell Collier, running back for the Eagles, had 140 yards rushing. And um, that's one of the things that Buddy Pugh mentioned on the coach's call on Monday. He said, hey, we got to get this run defense together. But I think overall, and, and then you look at the play, the quarterback position has struggled for South Carolina State this year, not so much in this game. Corey Fields, 21 of 31 in the ball game. Um, he had uh, close to 300 yards passing, if not 300 yards. He had three touchdowns. Um, I don't believe he threw an interception uh, in this ball game. As a matter of fact, I want to make sure I have um, this number right, so I'm going to read these stats to you uh, in terms of what Corey Fields was able to do in this ball game. 21 of 31, 264, three touchdowns, no interceptions in the ball game. So you got a, a had a really good effort by Corey Fields in the air, a decent effort in terms of on the ground by South Carolina State, although Kendrell Flowers not really getting it going like we saw last year. But I think the bottom line for South Carolina State is this. Similar position to last year, came into MEAC, rolled through, ultimately won the national championship, beating Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl. Will we see that happen again this year? Maybe. I don't know because South Carolina State still has some tough games in front of it. Another takeaway, Delaware State falling to Howard. If you're Delaware State, and, 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 and I realize, and condolences to the Delaware State family, if you heard the... Uh, the weekend edition of Box to Row, the radio show, which of course can be heard on a radio station near you as well as on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM as well as on Sirius XM Channel 142 HBCU each and every week. Um, Rod Milstead, the head coach, mentioned that the offensive coordinator um, had passed away. And uh, man, I tell you what, definitely that's got to be tough on the Delaware State uh, family. Offensively, Delaware State able to score 17 points, but gave up 35 points defensively to Howard, who had been struggling all season long. Um, if you're Delaware State, you're in the running for that for that MEAC championship. Um, boy, that's just a tough, man, that's a tough way to go out. Now, of course, Dell State and South Carolina State still have to get together, so Dell State still has an opportunity to, to rectify that loss, but now you have to look at Howard. Now, what will Howard do? Will we see Howard uh, propel itself after a victory like this to sort of make a run? You only need five wins. I mean, four wins. They've got one. They only need four more wins, meaning Howard, to win the championship, right? So we'll see, obviously, how things play out uh, in that football game. But I mean, that's a big loss. If you're Delaware State, boy, you got to be feeling that. And that's got to be a, a a lesson because, and, and Rod Milstead said it best, we're in the car, we're not in the driver's seat. He's absolutely right. So we still can get to our destination, as he mentioned. We just don't control our destiny. 
another takeaway, Texas Southern. And, you know, Texas Southern has an offense. No doubt Andrew Body, the quarterback, definitely can get it done. And you look at Clarence McKinney and, 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 uh, and, and, and what he's able to do in terms of that offense, uh, it's something, right? Like they're getting it done. Texas Southern is getting it done uh, offensively and did enough to win defensively. If you're Alcorn State, got to have that football game. So now Alcorn State is pretty much out of the race, at least at this moment, because you've got Southern who is in the driver's seat. Prairie View a and right there. And then Texas Southern has two losses in the conference. Remember, one of its wins was over Southern. So Texas Southern very much in the mix. Alcorn State is on the outside looking in at this point with two losses, with three losses right now in the conference. And that's going to be tough for Alcorn State, I think, to come back uh, from that, especially the way Southern's playing. And, and that's going to be a big game. Southern and Jackson State get together on Saturday. That's going to be a good football, a really, 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 really good football game. It's one certainly that I think we'll preview as the HBCU National Game of the Week. We'll see. We may have multiple games as we've had in previous weeks because we are getting down to the nitty-gritty. There are some good games uh, remaining in the last several weeks here of the HBCU football season. Another takeaway, North Carolina A&T has won four straight games. Uh, the Aggies started the season off 0-3, tough, a tough loss to North Carolina Central as an arch rival. Got to go up to uh, South or North Dakota State, lost that game then come back, play at Duke, Power 5, lost that game, but then it kind of went on a roll. It started with South Carolina State. And remember, a t rolled South Carolina State, 41 to, I think it was 41-13. So, so the Aggies rolled South Carolina State. So that kind of shows, I think, uh, especially in the coaches' poll, a t is number five right now, receiving votes in the media poll. Uh, I, I mentioned as one of my top five players to watch several weeks ago, or top five players at the midway point, Bashul Tootin, the running back, another 100-yard game uh, for him. He has six straight games where he's rushed for more than 100 yards, and in those six straight games, that includes rushing over 100 against um, North Dakota State and against Duke. So he's getting it done. Uh, Jalen Fowler played well. But this is a bit, A&T's got a big matchup. Greatest homecoming on earth. We've got the Aggie Pride shirt on, uh, right? Greatest homecoming on earth on Saturday against Campbell, who Jackson State defeated 22-14 to for Jackson State's homecoming this past Saturday. This is a big South matchup between probably the two best teams in the big South. Campbell's big up front on both sides of the football. And uh, Sam Washington, the head coach, Vanty had been talking about Campbell all season, even, even before the season started. So that is a, uh, a, a big football game, but A&T has won four straight games. Another takeaway, West Virginia State with its win over Concord. We met, mentioned Donovan Riddick as the HBCU National Player of the Week. Um, well, that's a big win because now the two leading teams, including Concord, have two losses in the conference. Meanwhile, Virginia State has three losses, so still an outside shot with three conference games remaining and a head-to-head head uh, head uh, advantage over Concord. So we'll see. West Virginia State sort of been up and win here, lose here, win a big game, 
I mean, it, the losses that, that the, the Yellow Jackets have had have not been terrible losses. It's just that you beat Concord, you would hope to have beaten some of these other uh, teams, maybe to only have one loss in the conference. Still, West Virginia State still sort of in the thick of the race in the Mountain East Conference. So those are some of my takeaways from week eight in HBCU football. Um, and that's going to wrap it up for today's HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Of course, don't forget to tell a f- couple of friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, where you can find us on our website, BoxToRow.com. Also, on our uh, YouTube channel. You can also watch on our YouTube channel at BoxToRow on uh, YouTube, as well as listening to us at iHeartMedia.com or wherever you get your podcast if you missed the hbcu national player of the week the players of the week or the hbcu coaches and media polls you can find uh the polls and the players of the week on our website at box talk with you tomorrow